comes another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And this is the week, Colin, where college football begins. <laughs> I saw I saw a, a, a post that said the, this Saturday, well, last Saturday now, will be the final Saturday without football until January 24th. And that's just beautiful words to read. How can you beat that? The, every year when that moment comes, it's like we made it. Like we yeah. are here now. Nobody can take this away from us. I'm so excited to get this thing started. I mean, we, I mean, starting next week, it's just, it's going to be the 2024, the camper show here. We got months and months of just talking about these guys diving in once again. I mean, it all starts you know, this weekend with week zero, if you want to, if you want to count that, I mean, there are some fun little teams playing one in particular that I think I'll be watching for sure. Um, but we'll talk about week zero a little bit later in the show, possibly give it just a little bit of a tease. Uh, but that's not the bulk of the episode today, Colin, because we are here to celebrate the beginning of a new college football season to put our takes out into the world, our non-draft-related takes. We are going to be wearing our college football hats today and doing a few predictions for the upcoming 2023 college football season, including player awards, college football playoff, and then a fun little twist at the end as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll be talking a lot of campers along the way, yes, I, I would will. imagine. But it's not the the same way we've been talking to him about them up to this point. It's going to be, you know, dependent of situation. It's going to be dependent on you know, all of the little things that are going to happen in this college football season, and you know how they fit into their team and how that team is going to utilize them, all that stuff. So, I'm excited to hear how how your list ended up shaping up because what we're doing is we are going to predict some awards. We're looking at Heisman, Bolitnikoff, the Doak Award, the John Mackey Award, and the Nagurski Award. Uh, those, The John Mackey and Nagurski, if you're unfamiliar, are for tight ends and defensive players. Um, and then we're going to do college football playoff predictions and a national championship prediction. So like you said, getting our takes on the line on Mike this early before week zero. Yeah. And I mean, I, I said last week, we're, you know, kind of taking a step back here from the analysis portion of things in terms of the 2024 campers, just because it's an exciting time. College football is coming. We're going to learn a ton about these players throughout this season. And this has been our opportunity looking at the freaks list. Now looking at the entire body of work here with some predictions to really celebrate this moment in time, like you said, there is not uh, any more weekends that we have to endure without real football happening. So um, let's get it started. I'm going to start things with the Doak Walker Award, best running back in the country. Um, I'm going to start. How about that? I'm, I'm going to. I'm relieving you here. I appreciate that. It's, it's not that. a rankings episode, but. <laughs> yeah. I want to start because 
You said to kick things off, we will be talking about a handful of campers throughout this episode, of course, with the award predictions. However, I am not starting with a 2024 camper with my Doak Walker prediction. Uh, I'm going with Quinshawn. Quinshawn Judkins. Because, I mean, we talked about him enough last year. (laughs) Even though he's not draft eligible this year, that will be coming next year. He was a true freshman last year. I'm picking him, man, because he, I mean, Judkins, 1,500-yard season as a freshman at Ole Miss last year. Absurd season. I mean, we talked about the effect of him on Zach Evans and how that even maybe came into play with some of the uh, analysis about Zach Evans being outplayed on his own team by a freshman. Um, but that's because Judkins is really freaking good. And honestly, we, we took a look at the odds here. We're going to also have a long shot pick for each of these categories. Judkins at the book that I looked at is currently the favorite to win this award, which I was not expecting when I picked him. But when I went searching out for the odds, I was like, oh, damn, he's plus 500. So uh, Quinshawn, baby, we're all aboard. Yeah, I I thought about Judkins because, I mean, he was so damn good. Watching that Ole Miss tape last year, it was like, man, I it almost felt like you had to watch Zach Evans. And it was like yeah. a little treat when Judkins was, uh, was out there. So I, I really like that pick. I also didn't pick a camper a 2024 camper so but you didn't pick Judkins but I didn't pick Judkins okay I went Nicholas Singleton there out of Penn State so Singleton was plus 900 um I don't know if he was second I think he was third in odds but uh man he is just a freaky athlete out of Penn State I mean I, I was thinking that him and Judkins will be duking it out for the RB1 spot in the 2025 class. I know we're, we're getting ahead a little bit, but, I mean, the, these players are just that good. I mean, they always say the next class is the better class, but so far, I mean, the 2023 class was better than the 2024 class, so that didn't ring true for the running back class, the next class. But it looks like the 2025 class is better than the 2024 class when it comes to running backs. So uh, Nick Singleton, I mean, he's got the the speed. He breaks a ton of tackles. He's got bursts, and he's got that acceleration when he turns that is just kind of rare. Very few guys can, can get in and out of you know, stop and start like Nick Singleton. So uh, – both of these I could easily see happening. Both are going to put some crazy stats up, and uh, I'm pretty excited to to watch either of them as these next two years. I mean, I already starting my 2025 penciling in some rankings. I mean, what does it say about the 2025 running back class that we're talking about these two players <laughs> as our predictions for the yeah. top running back in the country? I mean. It's it really is shaping up to be a special year with these two players. I mean, we got a long way to go until we get there, but this is I, this is the moment right now. We'll be watching them all season, obviously too. But I mean, the, really unbelievable, unbelievable talents here. I mean, Singleton plus a thousand yards, also as a freshman last year. 
I think the first time we brought him up on Camp Dynasty last year, I I dropped the name Saquon in the you same did. sentence yeah. because yeah. he's wearing the blue and the white and he's bouncing around like a crazy man. I mean, it was yeah, good players, not bad players. Yep. Um Long shot for the Doak Walker. We chose players for all of our long shots that were plus a thousand or higher. And here's where I'm going to bring in a 2024 camper. Uh, there were two that I really thought about here that had the same line. And I'm wondering if you are going to pick the other one because I'm picking Trey Benson. Uh, Plus 1,200 on Trey Benson right now. Obviously, if you listen to our Summer Scouting Running Backs episode, you know this is my number one 2024 running back heading into the college football season. I'm expecting big things out of him, man. I mean, he is the guy. He is the featured running back in that offense this year. Uh, Obviously, we've talked a ton about how exciting that team is going into the season. Benson's going to be a huge part of that you know, explosive offense that they have at Florida state. Um, and I don't see any reason why he couldn't have his name, uh, in the mix for this award come the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Benson was the other guy that I was flirting with for the, the long shot because I was like, man, there's a chance that he, <laughs> he could, you know, put together some gaudy stats, but I didn't choose him because I think there's a lot of mouths to feed on the Florida State offense. I think, you know, we talked about a plethora of names throughout our summer scouting series, and that that's the one thing that held me back because I don't know if he's going to have gaudy enough stats. Somebody that I do think will have gaudy enough stats is Blake Corum, who was yep. on pace to maybe win the Heisman. Uh, last year and then went down with the injury. So I think it's well within his realm to put up the stats necessary to win the Doak award. And he's going to be on a high profile team. He's going to be, you know, maybe in the playoff race. We'll talk about that later. Um, but Corum with a, a little bit of a, you know, chip on his shoulder because of the injury and uh, lost a little bit of the, the hype that he was earning throughout the season. And then, man, I think that he is just a really solid player that they can lean on. And they don't – I've been seeing a little bit of J.J. McCarthy uh, truthers coming out, like after that Ohio State game and all that. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Kid's a good ball player, but his main job is to hand number two and number six. So – well, and that's a that's a good point right there because I I was I thought about picking Corum outright as my predicted winner of this award. Obviously, last season was really special before the injury. I mean, um, but I think coming into this year, we're gonna see a lot more Donovan Edwards. I think it's going to be more of a split situation with those two players this year, because honestly, that's what it should be. I mean, you have Edwards, a talented player in his own right, Corum obviously coming back from an injury. Um, I just wonder what the share is going to look like in the backfield. And if Corum will have the opportunity to have those type 
of those types of numbers again this season. So, and honestly, for his sake, I hope that he doesn't because yeah, yeah. we're already getting to a point here where he's an older player, heavy workload last year. I mean, coming uh, off an I injury. Think, yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if he has a little bit of a reduced workload that this year, I think that actually works in his favor um, as he heads to the NFL. So, um, yeah, but that is the other player I was referencing. It was, they're both plus 1200 where at least where I looked and Benson and, and Corum. So, um, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So if, if both of them are going to have a, a, you know, a smaller workload, I'm, I'm saying for Benson, since he, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys on Florida state and Blake Corum, he, you know, he's splitting snaps with Donovan Edwards. Could there be another little Braylon Allen action here? <laughs> I mean, there certainly could be, man. I mean, <laughs> guys only put up 1,200 yards in back-to-back seasons. And, yeah. you know, we Wisconsin, rich history with the Doak Walker. Jonathan Taylor, you might have heard of him, won it twice in a row a few years back. So we're going to see. That is that is the ultimate wild card this yeah. year is Braylon Allen in more ways than one. We talked about him last week. We talk about the freaks list as a player who really, I mean, athletically, physically checks every single box you could imagine as a running back. If we see something more from him this year in a better situation, a new offense and more speed potentially is what he said. I mean, man, uh, we, we might be talking about RB1, Doak Walker, everything. Put it all that's, on him. So That's what I was thinking because we, we've been talking about the lack of a bona fide RB1 in this class. And, you know, if he puts together in an improved offense with a little more space, a little more, you know, breathing room for him, then you could, I don't know, maybe we'll jump him up the ranks and maybe we'll see. But I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to be a homer. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm like. It's not getting ahead of it. We don't right. need uh, – I don't want to put an RB1 – I don't want to put the RB1 stamp on him quite yet. But, um, all right, let's talk about the Bolitnikoff Award. Obviously, the award that goes to the best wide receiver in college football, unless you're talking about last year, in which case it went to the second best wide receiver in college football. That was Jalen Hyatt. Um I have a feeling that the player that should have won it last year is going to be both of our picks <laughs> to win it this year. That is Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, Colin. Am I correct? Yeah, a little bit of a makeup award, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that everybody that voted on this award, it feels the same way. Um, I mean, he's plus 200 to win that, that that was the lowest that i saw amongst yep. all of the award categories um so i mean it's it seems pretty cut and dry and there's no reason right now that we should expect anybody other than marvin harrison jr to win this award because yeah. he is the best wide receiver in the sport yeah he should have won it last year jalen hyatt got it because of his game against alabama you know I get it. High profile, all that. Yep. Uh, but man, Marvin Harrison deserved it. And we've, we've seen the awards happen like this, where you get it the year after you're supposed to, uh, a lot of the time. 
And so this happens with like all kinds of awards. This happens with Oscars. It's true. Actors will just get it because like Leo got it for The Revenant, even though yeah. like it was pretty mid. But there's like we should give him the Oscar because he deserves it. I feel like that's going to happen with Marvin, even though he's going to put up a Oscar worthy performance. The thing about awards that they don't tell you until you figure it out for yourself is that they're just voted on by people. Exactly. (laughs) It's not some magical algorithm that spits out the best player. It's a bunch of people with their own biases and their own, you know, things that have influenced them along the way. That's why we say narratives win awards. Well, that's true. And I think that's what happened last year with Jalen Hyatt. Which is why it's so rare to see unanimous award winners. And when that does happen, it should be celebrated a little more. Cause, I agree. You know, all it takes is the one guy that, yeah. you know, the one Michigan beat writer to not vote for Marvin Harrison, and then you don't get a unanimous vote. So, right. Uh, all that being said, it, it should, we should uh, write it down, put it in an envelope, and then turn it in at the end of the season. Yeah. I think so too. So then the interesting conversation with the Blitnikoff becomes your long shot prediction, Colin. Who did you come up with for that? My long shot was Jacob Cowling. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Cowling goes to Arizona. We talked about him a lot last year. Um, he had 85 receptions, 1,034 yards, seven touchdowns. And the reason I picked cowing is because of counting stats that that is the name of the game at the end of the day. Uh, like you said, some people have biases. Uh, everybody just, everybody gets a vote and maybe they're checking the box score a little too often. And, Who's going to dominate the box score if not Jacob Cowling? Because, I mean, in 2021, he had 1,350 yards, and he could easily go for the similar season, 1,400 yards, and put together just some gaudy, gaudy stat lines. And it's hard not to vote for somebody when they're, you know, playing for a worse program and putting up similar, if not better, stats than the guy on the bigger program with the better quarterbacks and the better recruits and the better line, blah, 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 so on and so forth. So maybe get a little bit of an underdog story with Cowling and he gets to rise up and put together some pretty sick stats. I typed his name and I changed it. And the reason I changed it is exactly what I just said before narratives win awards and i think it's hard to craft a narrative playing at arizona it's fair plain and simple i mean i i love jacob cowling and dorian singer transferring to usc opens up a very large percentage of targets for a player that was already targeted a ton last year and had a very productive season he has had two incredibly productive seasons in back-to-back years. Uh, No reason to expect anything less from him this year and most likely even more. So I think the stats are going to be there for sure. It's just a matter of can you convince a panel of dudes that – I guess I don't know if they're all dudes – a panel of people 
Yeah, that, on. yeah, I know, I know, I got it. I figured it out. Uh, that this player is worthy of an award like this. We'll see, but I hope so. But I, I'm not, I'm not super uh, enthused by hey, the a kid, idea. A kid of that. from Pitt won it two years ago. I get it. I get it. Why the hell didn't Tank Dell win it last year? That's what that I'm would, wondering. That would be pretty sick. Hey, that would have been doing, cool. He's doing good enough. Uh, yeah, he's fine now. He's the best wide receiver in the <laughs> AFC South or he's something. Dynasty wide receiver one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, I did go with a bigger school player for my underdog or my long shot pick. Malik Neighbors. Plus 1,500 for Malik Neighbors. Uh, I mean, I think this is going to be a crazy season for him. I mean, I alluded to this when we talked about our on our big board. I've already moved him up since we sp- broke it down on the wide receiver episode. Uh, had 1,000 yards last year, and that was with a bit of a late start to the season. And with Kayshawn completely out of the picture this is your no doubt number one target in this offense that should be at least as good, if not better, than they were at the end of last season with Jaden Daniels figuring it out, coming alive. LSU uh, should be in for a pretty good season, I think. And Neighbors is going to be a huge part of that. So I think if anybody can challenge Marvin, it would be some sort of crazy year from this player, Malik Neighbors. So the last LSU wide receiver to win the Blitnikoff Award was who? Jamar Chase. That's correct. Do you know who the previous, the the last LSU receiver was? Before Chase. Yeah. No. Josh Reed in 2001. Wow. <laughs> wow. So uh, wide receiver U is pumping him out, and Malik yeah. Neighbors will be the, the next one up. So – uh Oklahoma State has a lot of names on here, which is oh no, Justin Blackman just won it twice. Just won a dude, Justin Blackman. Remember that? No. If there had been a camp dynasty in twenty twelve, twenty eleven, or whatever, we there'd been a lot of Justin Blackman talk on it. Let me tell you that. <laughs> that would have not worked out for anybody involved. Eighteen hundred yards is insane. Anyway, uh I mean, Neighbors is set up to succeed here. You uh, saw what he did when he became the wide receiver one, the focal point of that LSU passing attack. And I could very well see him being, you know, in contention for this award by the end of the season. And if Jaden Daniels takes that leap that he's supposed to take that people are thinking that he'll take, you know, he was up there in the Heisman odds that we'll talk about later. I mean, if, if he does take that leap, neighbors will look even better. So I, I definitely could see him up at the top of this list by the end of the year. Well, let's talk about another award here. That is pretty freaking cut and dry. That's the John Mackey Award for the best tight end. I mean, if Brock Bowers doesn't win this award, then I think something dramatic has happened because that's the only thing I can I can think for this player to not win uh, in 2023. Yeah, I mean, 
I I wish I had an argument against you. Yeah. But what do you even say? Like, yep, he's gonna win. Okay. Yeah. Moving All on. Right. And um so your long shot. I mean Brock Bowers Yeah, we don't even need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're predicting he's gonna win. It's a, there's not much else to say here. So who do you got as a long shot? Oh, you're asking me I'm who asking my long you. shot is. I'm asking oh, you. Okay. Okay. Uh, my long shot is a player that I had ranked in my top five, uh, 2024 tight end campers. It's Bryson Nesbitt. Okay. Because I talked about it then Nesbitt in this offense last year in a lower volume scenario was incredibly efficient and productive in those limited targets that he had. He had one of the highest yards per route run of all tight ends in college football last year. Josh Downs is gone, and that's going to open up this offense a little bit. Uh, Drake May is going to have to find his new go-to target here, and I think Nesbitt is in for a big step forward uh, just in terms of his role in this offense, I think you're going to see a lot more targets coming his way this season. And, you know, it's a long shot for a reason, but if if there's a player that can do it, this is my pick. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. I mean, he's attached to a, a great quarterback, so, it, you know, that, that helps. And then there's targets to be had, like you said. So uh, I – I mean, Brock Bauer is going to win this award, man. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, it's going to. So here's a, here's a fun question for you. So since 20, I'm going to read the John Mackey award winners since 2017, but I'm going to leave one player out. And I okay. want you to try to guess who that player is. Okay. We have Mark Andrews. We have TJ Hawkinson. Then we have blank 2019. Then we have Kyle Pitts, Trey McBride, and Brock Bowers. These are all dynasty tight end one through or two through six or something that have all basically won this award in the last six years. Who is the one that I didn't say? I I want to say Dave Njoku, but I don't think he's I, – I think he might be in the league longer than that. How about I give you a hint? Florida Please. Atlantic legend. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, I need to do more trivia. I need to get on Sporkle. <laughs> Harrison Bryant. Oh my God. I knew that too. It's just Fuck. A, it, like when you look at the list and it's like <laughs> all these names, like Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. I remember Hawkinson. him getting traded in our league too, because it was like Harrison Bryant won the, you know, yep. he's the best tight end in football, in college football, obviously. So basically <sighs> this award is a pretty good predictor of uh dynasty value. Unless your name is Harrison Bryant. Unless so. David Njoku takes your job. Yeah. There, yeah, see, there was. Pretty close. Right, right, right. Wrong, <laughs> right team. Wrong player. <laughs> Just trying to make you feel better. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm embarrassed. Let's, I should, I'm not showing well, up next week. 
<laughs> Let's talk about some big awards here. I, I just, we had this debate last season and I'm not going to do it again. I'm packaging it into one thing, but Narek and Nagurski, the internet tells me it doesn't matter because they're just the same version of the same thing voted on by different people. So best defensive player in college football is what we're talking about here. Uh, who was your choice? Okay, so neither of my players are 2024 campers. Hate to say I was it. wondering. Yep, I uh, thought about that as well. My winner is Harold Perkins. So he's the linebacker out of LSU. Uh, he's a freak. I mean, he is everywhere when he plays. And I, I just – I can see a clear path to him becoming, like, the chosen one kind of idea where uh, Will Anderson kind of went through this path where it was like, well, if he was in this draft, he'd be the number one pick. I could see Harold Perkins – going on that sort of a path. I mean, it won't be the number one pick since we have a few guys that are playing more valuable positions than Harold Perkins does, but I could definitely see him being like, yeah, if he was in this draft, he would be the number one defensive player taken. And so, uh, yeah, I got Harold Perkins as my, my winner. How about you? Um, I have Harold Perkins. All right. <laughs> there it is. I mean, it, it really does feel like last year was sort of the precursor to something really special. And for me, that was enough to be like, yeah, I think this is the guy. And like you said, I mean, we're talking about the running back crew for 2025, Harold Perkins is already shaping up to be a really special IDP asset uh, in that draft as well, which we need. We we definitely yeah. need. I mean, Will Anderson was one thing last year, but with the linebackers, a lot to be desired, and this year even might be a little muddy as well. We're really waiting for this sort of a player in the draft again. I just realized I never gave my long shot tight end. <laughs> because <laughs> i just said brock bauer is gonna win it i got eric all at, uh, at okay. iowa uh just iowa tight end six five two fifty transferred from michigan coming off an injury fun player anyway let's go long shots here because uh harold perkins is a dog he is a dog yeah and at lsu man that's gonna be a fun watch this year and i find myself saying this about a lot of teams and when I looked at my college football playoff predictions, I was like, damn, this is a this is kind of a fun season. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of fun teams this year. Um, all right. Long shots on the defensive side then. I'm curious what direction you went. I don't think we're going to have the same player. I don't think so. So Actually, I, I know we aren't because you said he's not in the upcoming draft. That's right. So I have Kool-Aid McKinstry. Okay. Who's yep. a corner on Alabama. Well, okay, so he is in the draft. Yeah, he's not a just IDP. don't care about him, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. He's not uh one of the IDP guys. So right. we okay. haven't talked about him and so he might be on your list since I mis uh you know, misled the audience. How dare you, honestly. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what cinema's about, baby. It's called a red yeah. herring. <laughs> so uh Kool Aid is a shutdown corner. I mean, I don't know how frequently 
the like defensive backs win the Nagurski award. Uh, but I mean, if somebody well, I can tell gonna... you something, yeah. the last one to win it also played at Alabama and his name right. was Minka Fitzpatrick. Ooh. All right. I mean, that doesn't surprise me since Alabama has been churning out some really good defensive backs along the way. Uh, but I think he's next in line of this shutdown corner kind of breed with this, you know, the Pat Sertain kind of idea. I, I think he's more in the build of a Derek Stingley than a Pat Sertain where he's a little uh, stickier. He's got – he's a little more fluid of a player, and he's, I mean, a man and zone player. He could have a ton of picks, or he could have the stat where it's like, Kool-Aid McKinstry is not allowed to catch on 72 straight targets. So uh, that's my pick for my long shot. I like it. We get some cornerback action on Cam Dynasty. Uh, Well, in the same vein of yours, my player is also 2024, but probably not a player we're going to talk about here for IDP. And that is Dante the godfather Corleone defensive tackle from Cincinnati. So there's multiple layers to this prediction. Number one, this is a fantastic player. Uh, Number one graded run defender by PFF last year, Uh, preseason all American, you know, he's got, he's coming into this year with a, with a really impressive resume. So statistically he could pull this off. But the reason the what really drives it home for me is that he's he's built the brand. He's got the Godfather brand behind him and it's going to be something that we just it's going to follow him all season. And I think that could be enough to win an award like this. If you have a dominant season with a persona behind you, I mean this would be a, in a similar fashion to the Jordan Davis win a few years ago, obviously not quite the same player. Uh, but in the same fashion of a large run defender winning this award on pure narrative and talent alone. I need to know if his nickname is Don. <laughs> it has to be. I Don, mean, Dante Corleone. If it's not Don Corleone, the I'm godfather. Sure it's, I'm sure it's all packaged in there. I just I mean, he's the, that's the godfather, man. God. That's that's insane. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the coolest names that I can ever remember coming out in the draft. And I mean, he looks like a monster on the yeah. field, and he plays like it too. But man, I I like the defensive tackle pick. They they don't get enough love, and I think that that's that's really nice. It's all about corner the corner and deep tackle. Look at us. Yeah. Yeah, we're expanding. We're giving respect to the, you know, underappreciated <laughs> positions. <laughs> Even though like cornerbacks are probably yeah, one like of the most premier <laughs> <laughs> premier position in football. Um All right. That is the defensive player of the year, which leaves one final player prediction. The prediction the Heisman Trophy. We were both wrong last year. Caleb Williams won, obviously. Did you pick him to repeat, Colin? 
I did. I did pick him to repeat uh, for the reasons I talked about on the quarterback episode that he has a chip on his shoulder from not making the college football playoff, from losing to Utah, uh, all of that packaged into a revenge season. You know, the, the award last year is nice, but I don't think that's going to be on his mind this year. He's got it in the back pocket. He can, you know, think, doesn't have to think about the accolades, the awards. He can go into this season, just thinking about having a killer mindset and, being the number one draft pick next year and trying to win USC a national championship. So I think all of that comes and the Heisman is just kind of a secondary award to his process of becoming the, you know, the next best quarterback in football. You know, every year we do this every year we pick a player. If he's returning to repeat but still, in the history of the award, only one player has won two of them. So I didn't pick Caleb Williams. Because I'm just going to go with history on this one. And I picked Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> because <laughs> you want to talk about overcorrection? The overcorrection is not just giving him the Bolitnikov. The overcorrection is, <laughs> yeah, we failed you last year. This year, you're a Heisman winner. And, I mean, let's not pretend like this isn't in the cards. Obviously, Devontae Smith just a few years ago showed that wide receivers can win this award. And a player like Marvin Harrison Jr., I think, building on a season like he had last year with 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns, I mean, obviously the quarterback situation is not the same, but assuming that he does not skip a beat, I think this could be an incredible season. Uh, one of the best seasons we've seen from a wide receiver uh, in recent history, and that could be enough to, you know, with the narrative behind him, everybody knows this player, everybody knows what we're expecting this year, that could be enough for him to bring it home. So I'm picking him. Plus 1,800, by the way. I, I love the pick. I mean, the like you said, we had a wide receiver win it not too long ago, and Devontae Smith put up 1,850 yards, 23 touchdowns, you know, attainable numbers, not impossible. God, that season is just insane. It when is you, insane. When you run it back like that, and you're <laughs> thinking like, oh, man, like, Jesus, Marvin had 1,200 last year, <laughs> 600 more yards. Yeah, so uh, maybe maybe high, but, you know, if, if things break right for Marvin, and a lot of things got to break right, but if things break right, then I could I could see it happening. The, the overcorrection narrative is, is nice. Yeah. Archie Griffin was the, Archie the, Griffin. the only player I'm, to win it back-to-back -back yep. his junior and senior years. I did not years. mean to disrespect the man by not including his name in my analysis but yes <laughs> still to this that's pretty shocking 1975 that's the only time the last and the only time that players won two of them i was i was looking through the full list and i was just seeing if there was you know anybody yeah just anybody that might have gotten missed but nope i was thinking maybe like the paul horning era there's like two in a row but not even then they were so locked in in 1936. They're like, we're not giving you two in a row, Larry yep. Kelly. 
you lost me. <laughs> uh, football wasn't real before 1981 All right. or something like that. <laughs> before um, Jerry Rice played football, it didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill Walsh, that's where football started. I, I, I kind of agree. Um, anyway. Long shots. A lot of different directions here. I mean, honestly, you could consider Marvin Harrison Jr. a long shot. Yeah. But he wasn't mine. Is he yours? He's not mine. Okay. So mine is Drake May. There he is. Yep. So the second best quarterback in this class uh, could easily have just a better season statistically than Caleb Williams and take this award from him. So like you said, people don't win this award twice in a row. Uh, Only Archie Griffin has done it, and that was 50 years ago now. Uh, So we're looking at a guy that's not going to repeat, and we're looking at the second best quarterback. I feel like it all kind of lines up here because lately it's been a quarterback award. I mean – Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, you got the Devontae Smith year that we mentioned. Then you got Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Lamar, and then Derrick Henry, who, I mean, it's Derrick Henry. But then even before that, Mariota, Winston, Manziel, RG3, Cam Newton. So you see the list goes back on and on. That it, It's a lot of quarterbacks that win this award. So uh, I could easily see him, Drake May, improving on what he did last year and becoming a Heisman candidate. Heisman yeah. winner. I mean, it's the it's a natural. If you're not going to go with Williams, I feel like, yeah, you, you could naturally say Drake May. I mean, I will say it, it will be interesting, and I don't have any doubts about this, but it will be interesting to see what that team looks like this year just because there are moving pieces. Like Drake May obviously losing Josh Downs. Things are going to be fluid there in terms of the target share and how it looks, but – a player of this caliber should not skip a beat, uh, and I don't expect him to. So I fully expect him to be a finalist for the award at the very least next year. Um, but I did not pick him as my long shot because I went kind of long shotty for my regular pick. So I went even further with my second one. Um, I went Michael Penix which I guess really isn't much further because this was one of the most productive quarterbacks in all of college football last season. I believe he was a Heisman finalist last year. Can anybody confirm that? I am checking right now. Penix was fourth. He was Heisman fourth. voting last year. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, he was fourth. I That team, man, I mean – they didn't lose anybody. I mean, Odunze and Jalen McMillan are there. That's two of the that's one of the best one-two punches in terms of wide receivers in the country. With Penix ingrained there, it's going to be a run it back type of situation. I think the stats are going to look just as good, if not a little bit better, even, and that puts him right in position. Uh, to be in the conversation for the award. So I think he's plus 2,000 was the line that I saw for Penix, and I'm taking him there as my long shot. Yeah, I like that. I, he They're throwing the ball a ton, and he's throwing the ball to really good players. So I could definitely see him putting up better numbers than either of the quarterbacks that I've mentioned before with Caleb Williams and Drake May. 
and stealing the show a la Hendon Hooker, where Hooker was just putting up stupid stat line after stupid stupid stat line, and then eventually you have to just say, all right, well, apparently this is a real thing, so we we got to put him in the conversation. Uh, so I, I could very well see Penix do that. I, I was half expecting you to take Joe Milton. I thought about it. I, <laughs> I thought about taking Joe Milton, and there was a part of me that wanted to take um, the Alabama backup. And I was Milrow. like, uh, the, yeah, Jalen Milrow. And I was like, that's that's a little too far of a long shot because he might not even start next year. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Those are – player predictions they are in stone we will potentially revisit them at the end of the year if we get anything right college football playoff this was really difficult for me because i feel like there were about seven or eight teams that i really were when i went into it i was like they could sneak in and then you realize very quickly like oh wait no I can only pick four. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Thank you. I want you to go first. Give me your four teams, your two matchups in the semifinal. Okay. So I have Georgia as my one seed. I have Ohio State as my two seed. I have USC as my three seed. And then I've got little old Florida State sneaking in as my four seed. See, you have stones. Thank you. And I don't. Well, I told you. Thing. I told you before. I, I said I don't want to go chalk, and I kind of went pretty chalky for with my top three. So I wanted to pick a fourth team that was going to sneak in. See, the team that I didn't pick here is USC. That's fair. Because, and God, I want Because they can't tackle. (laughs) We deserve it. We deserve Caleb Williams on this stage. But the defense, questionable. We'll see how much improvement there is this year. But also, I mean, just straight up, Pac-12 disrespect. I mean, USC would have to basically be perfect, I feel like, this year to put themselves in the conversation because of the other teams that are vying for these spots. I think you have several programs in the SEC that are ready for it. You have a couple in the ACC that are ready for it. You have a few in the Big Ten that are ready for it. I mean, there are a lot of teams that USC is going to have to outperform in that schedule. And I hope something happens. I hope it all breaks right and they can make it, but I just I didn't have enough gumption to put them there today. Um so my two matchups then were one seed, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Ooh. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, I had to do it. Florida State. <laughs> we can't talk about him this much. I'm glad we both put him in. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I mean, on paper, man, that's that's a fun team, and it'll be a big test. I mean, they got 
We got early season LSU and Florida State again. That's going to be a huge matchup this year because I think both of those teams have their eyes set on the playoff this year for sure. So that'll tell us a lot. Clemson's still in the picture, but my question, I have a, okay. I just have a quick question about Michigan for you. Yeah. Cuz I I obviously didn't select Michigan. Right. Yeah. Uh so how much does the Jim Harbaugh suspension concern you? Not at all. No. Because it's a cheap suspension. What? Who are they playing in the first three weeks? That that's a a better question. I mean, like I remember when it was four weeks, and and I still I looked at it and they weren't playing anybody that I was like I'm really worried about this. Like it was the classic case of we're gonna suspend the coach for these violations, but we're playing like. East Carolina, and, UNLV. You know. So they're playing East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Yeah. So you're right. That doesn't. So it's, I mean, it's just, they don't play anybody decent until week like week ten. So they don't play Penn right. State until November 11th. So. And I mean those. I mean the games, the the Penn State, Ohio State games this year. I mean it's going to be huge. Obviously, it's going to tell the tale of the Big Ten. Um, the reason I went with Michigan and specifically as my two seed is I just, as much as JJ McCarthy concerns me in terms of the NFL projection heading into this upcoming draft, I think there is something to say about a player who has been there, who's played in the playoff uh, as a young player that's coming back, that has that experience, that's leading this offense. Plus we already talked about the running backs. I mean, they're bringing guys back, guys with playoff experience. The defense looks pretty solid as well. I mean, you got a ton of NFL players on the defensive side of things. Um, so I just think it's a really complete team. And I would be shocked if they don't at least, you know, the the Ohio State and Michigan are my Big Ten picks. But, you know, I would be shocked if they aren't at least one of the Big Ten representatives. All right. I respect that. All right, so give me your picks then. Winners and then ultimate championship prediction. Okay. So I have Ohio State getting revenge on Georgia and winning, Mm. upsetting the dynasty. Wow. And then I have USC beating Florida State. And uh, then I have USC beating Ohio State. The, the Caleb Williams Oof. arc is complete, and he becomes the unquestioned number one best prospect since Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that would be yeah, that would be the story right there if they can bring this thing home. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I don't have stones. <laughs> so uh no more stats and bennett but i did still choose oh, no the georgia bulldogs to win against florida state my beloved florida state uh eliminated in the semifinal. Uh, i picked michigan to beat ohio state and i am taking the georgia bulldogs to three pete 
I will say if it shakes out this way and it's Georgia, Michigan, I don't think it's going to be 65 to seven. I think it's, a, <laughs> it's going to be, it's actually going to be a game to watch. Um, but I, I, I'm not picking against them until somebody shows me that they can be beat. I mean, that's fair. I, I did mine backwards. I, I did my, I, I did my one and two seed playing each other in the semifinals. Instead of my one and four seat. Jesus, man. So I'm just, you just uh, is Caleb Williams national championship gone now? It, but, <laughs> so you all just, right. So so oh I got God, you. <laughs> we'll we'll see if Caleb Williams can do it again. So Georgia's gonna beat Florida State by eighty. Uh Ohio State and USC are gonna play. And I just said USC is gonna beat Ohio State in the championship. So they gotta win that game, you know? But then we got USC Georgia. And uh, I'll I'll take Caleb Williams over Georgia. <laughs> it's just same result. Whatever, man. I don't want to compromise my integrity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's gonna be fun, and it it's gonna be fun for a lot of reasons. I mean, you have the uh, you have the Alabama georgia quarterback oh and ohio state quarterback changes yeah. which is always interesting because you're never quite sure what you're gonna get yep i'm sure it'll be fine but it makes things interesting and then you have the returning quarterbacks in some of these other programs usc florida state lsu and then obviously michigan uh it's just it's gonna be so much fun and if there's going to be a year where things get a little shaken up, I think this, the recipe has been set for that to be this season, which is just going to make it even more fun. Um, before we get out of here, I want to turn the attention back to the 2024 campers. Just real quick. We talked about our award predictions. We talked about our college football playoff predictions as we head into this 2023 college football season, I want to know, Colin, who you think is going to rise and who you think is going to fall the most based on what we have talked about with this class, with our rankings, as well as, you know, generally, which names you think are going to move in either direction come the end of this season. So let's start with riser and I'll go first. Okay. Because I'm talking about a player that we've already talked about on this program today. It's Jacob Cowing. Ooh. For many of the same reasons that we talked about when we talked about him as a potential dark horse Bolitnikov. This is a really good player and he's a, He's an undersized player in a world where size is mattering less and less. I mean, you can call it, you know, camp pipe. You can call it whatever you want. I think the Tank Dell situation is really like the culminating point where we all start to realize, I don't think this is the same game that it was eight years ago. We don't have to talk about size in the same ways that we talked about it you know, eight years ago. 
Devontae Smith, perfect example of it. I mean, he was the ultimate outlier. You had dynasty folks writing him off just purely based on his measurables. He still gets top 12 NFL draft capital and becomes one of the better wide receivers in the league already. Jacob Cowing, to a lesser degree, is the sort of player that I think he puts it all on tape. He's highly productive. He's been highly productive at two different programs. He's coming into this season in position to have his best year ever, potentially. At least his, you know, a year that's on par with his UTSA, his final year at UTSA at a Power 5 school in Arizona. I think you're going to walk, we're going to all walk out of this season thinking to ourselves, man, this is a really good player. This is a player that is going day two in the NFL draft. He has the route running chops to do it. He has the run after the catch to do it. I think people are a little bit, you know, is he a little small? What is his role? I think as this season moves on, he's a player that I could see those concerns kind of going away more and more and just his pure talent rising to the top. So I'm going to bat for my guy, Jacob Cowing. I think he is my biggest riser. Yeah, I think he'll have a similar arc to like a Jaden Reed or a Michael Wilson where you you see these guys and, you know, they have a little bit of buzz throughout the season, but it's like, hey, this guy is kind of fun. And then you get to the end of the season, you see him in the Senior Bowl and they see him in the Combine. And it's like, oh, all right. So he's, you know, routing up everybody. He looks really good. He has the athleticism, NFL size, all that stuff. And then you know you get to draft night and it's like oh he was a third round pick early third or late second or whatever and then you know the narrative starts to switch a little bit and I think that's kind of the the potion that you brew with a, a riser in the season so I, I could definitely see it and I mentioned before I think he's definitely set up to have a, a huge season a potentially Bolitnikov worthy season um, so if he does have that kind of season then you could definitely see a, a big rise out of Cowing. So my riser is a player that I talked about last year, gave him a badge last year, and that's Jace McClellan. Ooh. Somebody that has been largely ignored by the the dynasty public uh, because he was second fiddle to Jameer Gibbs last year. He's a Alabama running back. And I just think he's a really smooth, pure runner. And there's something to be said about the fact that Alabama is just churning out running back after running back, NFL running back after NFL running back. I mean, year after year, you're just seeing, you know, either a starter or a backup on almost every NFL team is from Alabama. And, uh, Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but it feels like it sometimes. Um, but McClellan has the talent, has the polish, has the, uh, I mean, the moves to be an NFL running back, and he has the, the long speed to be an NFL running back. So if he has the chance to be a featured back at Alabama this year rather than uh, change a pace or just a short yardage guy because – 
Jameer Gibbs, you know, he was such a, a weapon on offense. He was used on the outside stuff. He was used on the pass stuff. And then McClellan was the battering ram. And, you know, he worked on the inside. And when they'd go under center, they'd go Jace McClellan and pound it. Uh, but I I really think that he could have a big year if he's their, their feature guy. That's a really interesting choice because I think – like you said, I mean, we, we've become conditioned at this point to look at the Alabama backfield for NFL talent. I mean, it has there has been an incredible run of these players. And even last year, where it was like Gibbs was transferring in, but we still expected him to look really, really good on that team. Yep. And that's what happened. And obviously, we know what happened in terms of the NFL draft. This year is... And in, in, in many respects for this Alabama team, but specifically with the running back group, you don't really have that player. You don't really have that player that you can point at and say, you know, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the guy that we're watching. I mean, we're talking about freshmen on this team. Yeah. Like guy, like there are multiple freshmen running backs that are like, they could have an impact this year because and- we don't know. Jalen Milrow might just lead this team in rushing. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. he starts at quarterback, right? I mean, there there is a lot of question marks for the first time in a, in a long time. For the first time since I can remember, with the Alabama backfield, where we don't really know who the guy is. And Jace McClellan, like you said last year, I mean, in his, uh, you know, when he was in there alongside of Gibbs, looked pretty impressive. And as a senior in this room of younger talent, I mean, really, really highly recruited backs, but as a senior leader here with a guy who's put a little bit on tape already, McClellan could definitely emerge from this backfield and become a player that who isn't being talked about at all right now. And as a player that could emerge as something far more than that come the end of the season. So I love that pick. Yeah, we got Jameer Gibbs, Brian Robinson, Najee Harris, Damian Harris, Derrick Henry, and Mark Ingram right. are, are uh, Alabama running backs that are in the league right now. So they got a quite a Did you say Josh Jacobs? No, I didn't. Josh Jacobs, too. He was never their lead, leading rusher, which is right. not that surprising. I mean, yeah. It's like uh, every year it's like the room had one, two, three NFL running backs in it. You know, it's like yep. it just churns every year. So, I mean, then there's also Eddie Lacey and TJ Yeldon who are out yeah. of the league, but were Alabama running backs that right. were selected highly. Basically, as long as I can remember, there was yep. a an NFL runner in this room. So, Kenyon Drake? Yep. Um. All right. That's the positive. This is an interesting one. Just because, how do you predict somebody's demise? You're right. <laughs> but that's what we're here to do. <laughs> that's what I want to do. <laughs> so I'll let you go first on this one. Who do you think is going to have the biggest fall during the 2023 college football season? Okay, so this was based on what the consensus is versus what I saw on tape. Basically, it was like, I feel like the people are a little high on this player, and that's Xavier Worthy. So I think that there's a lot of people that are talking about him as, you know, maybe up to the wide receiver two of this class. 
And I don't see that really at all. Um, I think he's at best like the wide receiver four or five of the class. Um, but yeah, I just, this, this Texas team is in flux. You know, we don't really know what Quinn Ewers is. The, the, the room is a little weird with the quarterbacks and outside of worthy, you have Jatavion Sanders, but there's not a lot. I mean, Roshan and Bijan just went to the NFL. They don't really have a lot of talent on that offense surrounding the quarterback. So uh, I just have questions about the production and then if he's going to be able to, you know, hold that value that some people have in him uh, through this season. So especially as a smaller kind of deep threat player, you got to have somebody, a quarterback that can support that. Uh, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they have that. Like, I'm not writing off Quinn Ewers, but it's just tough to build your entire, all your production off of that. Yeah, I, this is a guy that I think if you were to search out, like, Dynasty 2024 Dynasty Rookie Rankings or 2024 Dynasty Rookie Mock. Everywhere but Camp Dynasty, it seems like, is talking about this player as a first-rounder or as one of the top wide receivers in the class. I'm not there with him yet. And so I agree that, I mean, it – if there's a player right now based on, like you said, like what we watched, neither of us had him in our top five wide receivers heading into the year. We were both very hesitant about him, even in honorable mentions when we talked about him, because there's just a lot of concerns with his game. And, and, and specifically in terms of how, you know, in my eyes, like how it translates to fantasy, I, like he, I, you can't deny that he's, probably the best deep threat at, at least a top two deep threat in the class yeah, yeah. because like of the Jaylen speed it was right last year right so i mean he has that going for him but i think in terms of the rest of it there's a lot to be desired right now and and yeah. he could if quinn ewers you know takes that step forward next year maybe you know he looks better because of it um but at the same time, I think there was enough on his tape last year that was his own doing, you know, his own uh, places that you wanted to see more out of him um, that I have my own concerns about it heading into the year. So I agree. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Fantasy Pros has him at the 111. And if you go check yeah. out Camp Underscore Dynasty on X, you can see our – latest way too early mock draft and see that he is not ranked there for us you sure can head over to x <laughs> god i'm trying to make the transition it's i know wrong to say. i get it <laughs> um so okay i went in a little bit of a different direction with my faller based in the fact that i still think this is a good player at the end of the day but I do think it's a player that in a similar way might be getting talked about a little bit too high and even a, a guy that I think might fall down a little bit just 
when we break down this class and we get into it and think about how does this thing stack, Blake Corum was the player that I that I singled out. And, I mean, to be quite honest with you, it's just because of how many, like, I'll call it baggage, how much dynasty baggage he's coming into his NFL career with as a player who went back as a player who had a heavy workload, who had an injury. Like there's a lot about Corum that he's coming in with that I don't think affects him in terms of his NFL, you know, how good can you be as an NFL player? But I think in dynasty, we have become very, very sensitive to these things. And a guy like Corum who is already a floor player. He's not really a ceiling player. He's a floor player and he's coming in with some baggage. I think we're talking about a guy here who maybe he's getting mocked mid to late round one right now in dynasty. I think this is going to end up. I shouldn't say I think he is. I think he could end up as more of that second round dynasty type of a player. I think this is that that could end up being the sweet spot for a guy who is low ceiling, who does have that age knock on him, which has become such a major flag for running backs in Dynasty. I mean, it is insane almost how quickly uh, the age even even for a game that we've you know, we've played a long time. It seems like now it's even more than it was before. And. I mean, talk about Najee Harris, how quickly, you know, that turned into something. And I know there's injury there as well, but it just, the value just dips so hard. And I think Corum is a guy that I could see slotting better in that lower, you know, in in a lower tier in this class as compared to some of these, you know, very high ceiling running backs. Yeah. I think Corum is a player that has one of the highest variants, you know, outcomes for this season i think he could either you know almost repeat what he did last year as a one-two punch with donovan edwards or he could progress significantly and you know kind of stumble out of the gates returning from the meniscus injury and you know not have as much workload and he already doesn't really catch passes and split you know, the carries with Donovan Edwards or Donovan Edwards starts to take on more of the work than Corum. So should he have just come out in 2023? Yeah, I agree. So, uh, fantasy pros 207. Really? Which is surprising. I was surprised. I, I thought I missed him cause I, I kept scrolling down. Wow. All right, yeah. maybe he's not a faller then. <laughs> I mean, I think I think maybe they're just ahead of the curve a little bit because I feel like pretty often you see his name up in the top of these lists, and I mean maybe that's a little bit left over from last year, and now people are starting to to come around a little bit. Uh, Two oh eight on Dynasty Nerds. Wow, man. Wow. I, that's maybe, not at maybe. all what I thought was happening. No, no, me either. I thought that it was going to be a little more like you said, where he was getting mocked in the in the first round. But apparently, 
that's not what the what the people are saying. <laughs> the age is already affecting it. Yeah, seriously. Like, that's literally what's happening. Like he's already and and to be clear, like the saying that he's going to be a faller, like I don't expect like the the downfall of Blake Corum here. This is just like and and this is proving my point. Like people have already looked at this player and said to themselves like we we're not drafting him where his talent suggests that he could go because of all of these factors. Yep. Here we are. I, I didn't, wow. I I'm surprised also, but I mean, all right, well, yeah. we're going to talk a lot about Blake Corum and the rest of the 2024 campers as we move through the college football season, which as I mentioned is quickly approaching. I'm not going to run through week zero because honestly, none of the games matter in terms of actual college football. What I will tell you is USC plays this Saturday. So you better tune in because I don't care that they're playing uh, San Jose state. I'll be there to watch Caleb Williams and that new look fun wide receiver group that he has. So um yeah that's it yeah we made it (laughs) that's the end we're from this point forward it's all camper talk for several months yeah ian Hart's had one of my favorite tweets about college football in a while he said college football filling week zero with terrible football games will never make sense to me (laughs) i 100 percent agree That, that, that is just like what are we doing you have the you know nfl preseason is going on you have the stage to be like week zero. It's time. We're doing our thing. It's an event. Uh, and they got Ohio playing San Diego State and Hawaii versus Vanderbilt and FIU versus Louisiana Tech. It's like, guys, where? what are we doing? So It's a bot, it's a bot sport. I mean, <sighs> if they if they were real, they'd, we'd have like conference action happening. We'd have like Michigan-Ohio State with everybody's eyes on it in late August, but that's not how it works. So here we are. Here we are, man. All right. Well, I mean, I'm so excited to follow these players. We're, we're, it's, you know, we're back to the regularly scheduled programming in terms of making our way through the season. Badges are coming. We got a few other surprises, maybe some returning, things from last year for anybody who caught camp dynasty through the college football season last year uh it's going to be a lot of fun so we're locking in uh if you enjoyed our predictions and our college football hype up show uh be sure to find us on x at camp underscore yeah it doesn't feel right does it it doesn't camp underscore dynasty there Uh, Also, TikTok at camp.dynasty and our YouTube channel where video feeds of the pods go up every single week. So, uh, and of course, obviously, like, subscribe, rate, review, share, all of those fun podcast things. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. Comment, you know, let us know your thoughts. We'd love to see that. You know, even if it's like, hey, terrible job, guys. Still like to see that. Like you really picked Marvin Harrison to win the Heisman, you dummy. Yeah. All I'm saying is when my, when when one of these long shots cashes, I'm retiring. I'm done. My, 
Michael Crabtree had nineteen hundred yards <laughs> in his Heisman season. Yeah. And twenty three touchdowns. Not bad. Not bad at all. Twenty three touchdowns is just an absurd number. Because was, fourteen by Marvin Harrison last year felt like wow. That was really good. That was really nice. Yeah, I there was somebody that had twenty seven. Uh it was Troy Edwards. He had nineteen ninety six yards and twenty seven touchdowns in nineteen ninety eight. On hundred and forty catches at a Louisiana Tech. So I don't know how he didn't become something. Steelers just couldn't put it together for him. Picked him thirteenth overall and just thirteenth and he busted. Damn. Sad. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week. We'll see you next week.